0: Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I wanna thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Man, we are so excited you guys are here and excited to be back in the Soundtracks series. And uh, man, last week was amazing. And, and I know it's already like people were talking about a lot how God's just moving on their heart uh, with a series like this. And so we are excited to be in the next phase. Um, man, when I remember when I took over uh, as lead pastor of the church, uh, there was, we, we kind of went through a season of like people that were with my dad that weren't necessarily with me. They were kind of making like a little bit of an exodus. They were like, we're down with the... Uh, with the fifty-year-old guy, but I don't know about this thirty-something-year-old guy, right? And so they kind of they made their way out, and and uh, and so that kind of that was that was kind of a painful season because you're like, man, I felt like I invested in these people too, but some of them were like, it, it was just one of those deals where they weren't supposed to be part of our season, right? And it's like that's fine. So they went on to other churches and stuff like that, and and so we started to build the church, uh, and God started doing amazing things. And and I remember right after that, we kind of uh, went through a season where uh, like we, we were growing, and then COVID hit, and we shrunk a little bit, and then like we had to move buildings, so we were growing, then we shrunk. It was like we did this teeter-totter effect for a while, and in the middle of all that happening, I remember at one point, we were finally like kind of hitting our stride as a church. Things were going well, and I don't know if you ever recognize this about life. It's about the times when things start going really, really well that really weird stuff starts to show up. Right. And so uh, we started getting these crazy email. Pastor Justin used to get all the emails. So we would get these crazy emails about how people like hated me or or like whatever. they like people didn't like what we were doing or we just like all the hate emails. They go to Pastor Justin, which is perfect because he's a great H.R. department for that kind of stuff. And so we were we were kind of in that phase. And then we started to come out of that phase, and it was kind of like, okay, everybody's happy. And, and how many guys know? If we're all honest, we all deal with a different level of insecurity, right? Like, there's something we kind of feel inferior about. There's something we deal with, something we struggle with, and that doesn't change for us, like as well. So, so as we're going through all these teeter totter seasons, I'm just like, man, what is going on? Like, what is life going to be? And I remember uh, we were kind of coming out of that season, and things were going really, really good. And I, I remember I was sitting, uh, I was shaking hands at the back door, and one of the ladies that. Been in our church for a little while now. She she comes up to me and she looks me dead in my face and she's like, I got a bone to pick with you. And I was like, cool. Right? Like, like, where's the exit? Right? You know what I mean? Like, I need someone to get me away from here right now. And she said, Can I talk to you for a second? And how many guys know that's just what you want to hear? Right? Like, and I was like, sure, sure you can, you know. Uh, and she pulls me inside and she was like, I want you to know, I do not appreciate. When you hear from the Holy Spirit and you preach right to me, and I said, I was like, "Thank you so much. Don't ever do that to me again, right?" So, um, and uh, and it was one of those situations where she was like being really nice, but I, it, the way she came at me, I was like, "Oh." And now she does that to me all the time now, and now I know it's coming. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. anyway. So, but I say all that to say is. How many of us recognize that all of us kind of have, we talked about soundtracks, which is the music that plays in the background of our minds and how those soundtracks impact the scene that we're living in, right? But there's a thing called broken soundtracks that John Acuff talks about in his book. And one of the things he talks about broken soundtracks is that it's it's the way that we view ourselves and our world. And oftentimes the broken soundtracks are the negative thoughts that we play on repeat in our mind. But they're the ones that we don't necessarily pay attention to. And if we were honest, they just kind of show up. Case in point, how many guys have ever done anything embarrassing in your life? Right? How many of you randomly have that memory pop up in your head for no good reason? Right? And you're like, what an idiot. And you're like, that was 20 years ago. But you're still like, duh, I can't believe I did that. Right? Like secondhand embarrassment for yourself two decades later. Right? It's like, that's the way it works. And what happens is these broken soundtracks get placed on repeat in our minds. And and again, it's a broken version of the way we view the world, and it makes very normal things start to get very stressful very easily. Case in point, I want to show you a question and tell me if this wouldn't trigger some things in your mind. You get a text message from your boss, and it says this, can I meet with you? Right? (laughs) Some of us were instantly like, ah. Now, could that easily be like, a, I want to give you promotion? I don't know. I don't know how often you show up too late to work. I don't know. That's none of my business. That's not my world. Okay, so but could, could it very easily be a good thing? Right. But what, it, what happens when the broken soundtrack kicks in? Oh, this is bad. Right. Here's another one. Uh, you're in a relationship with somebody and you get this text message. Hey, I, I want to talk to you about something. Ooh. Right, right, some of you guys are like, ha, 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 PTSD. Right, so like, it tends to show up, right? And and here here's what uh, the University of Michigan Medical School they did a study, and they found out that when your brain experiences social rejection, social rejection, it releases the same opioids into the body that physical trauma does. So when you experience social rejection, the idea that your boss may fire you or that this person may break up with you or that this part of your relationship may, any sort of social rejection, your body actually starts dumping the same opioids, your brain starts dumping it into your body the same way if you were to get into a physical fight or experience a physical trauma or abuse. So your brain literally processes that information the same way. Which is why many of us have developed so many broken soundtracks is because in our life there has been so many moments of some sort of rejection. Now, the interesting part of the study was this. They found that even when they knew that the social uh, rejection was fake and part of a study, it didn't impact the fact that they still had the same thing happen. So even though they knew it was fake, they still couldn't help it. How many guys have ever watched and you were watching and you knew an embarrassing scene was about to come on in a movie or TV show and you got like stressed out and embarrassed on behalf of this fake character on this TV show, right? Uh, Me and my wife, we love to watch uh, uh, a a bunch of different comedians called Impractical Jokers. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that before. Uh, And there's always like one scene in there where they have to interact with the public and it's fake. We know it's fake. They know it's fake. Now the public doesn't, but it's like, and, and Ashley will literally start cringing. All right. Uh, Ashley will literally start cringing uh, as soon as it happens. And so so she'll literally just start looking at it. And she's like, I can't watch it. Uh, Tell me when it's over. And what's happening is her body is literally receiving and dumping opioids, right, of rejection. So there's a fear of rejection that comes with it. And this is what I want you to understand, because we're going to get into this in a second. When faced with fake rejection, your body releases real chemicals. Our team will take care of that. Don't worry about that, right? When faced with fake rejection, say fake rejection. When faced with fake rejection, your body releases real chemicals. Now, this matters because, again, if we're thinking about how soundtracks are developed in our mind, the music, the, the scene, the information that's playing in the background of our thoughts. And, again, like we talked about last week, how you think about yourself is how you're going to view God. And so if we're dealing with this trauma, we're dealing with the stress and we're dealing with these problems and they're shaping the soundtracks. What we may not realize is how we're processing broken soundtracks, which is the stigma that all things are going to lead to a bad place. How we process broken soundtracks may, in fact, be impacting how we filter our thoughts. And today I want to talk to you a little bit how to filter your thoughts. uh, John Acuff says this, he says, if you listen to any thought long enough... So if you listen to anything long enough, it becomes part of your personal playlist. So if you live in the place of something bad's about to happen, something bad's about to happen, something bad's about to happen, it will become a personal part of your playlist to where every time you get an open-ended text message, you automatically default to a negative place. If you live in that place of this relationship's never going to end well, no relationship's ever going to end well, if you live in that place, you're going to eventually always have this real playing where it becomes part of your personal playlist. And that's why 2 Corinthians ten four through 5, we talked about it last week, but I want to look at it again. It says this, that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then Paul says this, we destroy arguments and all arrogance that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this is the last part that we got to last week. And we take every what? thought. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. In other words, whether we're dealing with others, like Paul was dealing with in 2 Corinthians, where he was declaring that we're going to take their thoughts captive, or whether we're dealing with our own thoughts and we're having to take our thoughts captive, no matter what the case is, we have to recognize that we may not be filtering our thoughts properly. And John Acuff says this as well. He says, "...your thoughts empower your actions, which in turn generate your results." So your thoughts empower your actions, which in turn generate your results. So whatever you're thinking about, you will eventually do, which makes sense because the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he, right? And so I want to take you to a story of Moses because Moses has this conversation with God and it lays out clearly some of the things that I think we need to understand whenever we're engaging, not just with our lives, but also with the Lord. When we're thinking about our relationship with God, when we're processing all the things, and when we're dealing with broken soundtracks, I want to show you some things that Moses dealt with that I think we deal with all the time, and I want to show you some ways that we can start filtering our thoughts to make sure that we're not living in broken soundtracks, but we're actually living in a victorious place with God so that it can dictate the way we live our lives, right? And so, uh, and it starts, I want to show you what happens because in the book of Exodus, uh, Pharaoh has the Israelites in in Egypt and they are slaves. And so Moses is being born and Pharaoh puts out uh, essentially uh, a a kill order for all the male babies so that the Israelites can't continue to populate. All right. So he gets, uh, Moses is part of that. He's born. His mom hides him. I'm kind of moving quickly through this because I want to get you to the part we're dealing with today. So uh, he eventually grows up to the point she can't hide him anymore. So she just puts them in a basket and lets them go down the river because it was easier than watching them killed by the soldiers. So she puts them in a basket, floats them down the river, and that's where I want to pick up for just a second and kind of show you what happens in Exodus 2, verses 5 through 10. Let's go there quickly. We're going to read this. It's a big block of text, but I want you to hear what's happening in the story. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendees were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket that Moses was in among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. All right. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, who followed him down the river, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Now, I don't know if you're paying attention to this Jerry Springer situation we're in right now. <laughs> but mom floats baby down river, says goodbye, thinks it's all over. Sister follows baby, brings baby back to mom to nurse baby that she had just let go of, right? And I would not go back to nurse the baby for, uh, for me and I'll pay you. So now mom is getting paid to watch baby that she just let go of. You can't make this up. All right. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the, tri- when the child grew older, say older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Now I want us to think about Moses for a second. Moses is a Hebrew baby that was supposed to be killed, but his mom let him go. So now Pharaoh's daughter found him. Gave him back to mom to raise him for the first little bit of his life and nurse him. Then gave him back to Pharaoh's daughter to raise in the palace. Now the reason this is important is because I want you to think about how Moses must feel living with two different identities. Knowing he's a Hebrew and he's not supposed to be here, but also living in luxury and in the palace. Looking out the window at his people and seeing them being abused and killed as slaves while simultaneously eating at the king's table. And he's living in, in two separate worlds. And, and, and maybe you can resonate with this because I believe some of us, you, God brought, anybody, did God bring you out of something? Right? Anybody like God brought you out of a journey? And can anybody resonate with sitting at the king's table but still seeing yourselves and the people that are lost? And so he's looking and he sees himself in them, but he's living with them. And so he's, he's in this war as he's growing up and finally gets to the place where he can't do it anymore. And he sees one of the, the, one of the Egyptian men beating on one of the Hebrew slaves and he goes down. And I'm, I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version to get where you want to be. He kills the man that was beating on the Hebrew slave, kills him. And then he finds out that people know about it, so he runs away. When he runs away, he runs to the hills and he ends up getting married and he lives there for years and years and years and years and years. But how many guys know when God wants to do something with your life, it doesn't matter how far you run. (laughs) And so God shows up to him one day in a burning bush. So Moses is just casually walking around, tending to sheep, and there's a bush on fire. And he thought to himself, let me go check this out. Which I don't know about me, y'all like me. I don't need a reason to go the other way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I would have hit that with a nope. <laughs> right? But he he sees his burning bush, he goes over, and and the bush actually starts talking to him. Right? And it's God, it's what in in, in biblical terms, it's what we call a theophany. Theophany is when God creates his presence and a physical manifestation. God shows up as the burning bush and he starts talking to Moses and then he's going to ask Moses to do a few things. And the main thing he's going to ask him to do is, I want you to go and I want you to get my people free. Now, I, I created, I wanted you to understand what's happening in this story because now Moses and God have a conversation. Which I don't know about you, I love how people are like, man, God, you just tell me where to go and I'm going to go. I'm like, I don't know, I might have questions. Come on, Anybody else? It's like, listen, he, you didn't pay for that person's meal yesterday when God told you to. You really think you're going to move to Brazil if he tells you to? Come on, get out of here, right? And so the reality is this, like we live in this place just kind of, kind of like Moses is. And so God says, Moses, I want you to go let my people go. And him and Moses start this conversation. And I want to show you three things that happens and three things you have to recognize if you're going to live with your thoughts filtered in how God wants you to see them. And the first thing you have to understand is that your identity is God's responsibility. Your identity is God's responsibility. I think for so many of us, particularly in this day and age, we feel like it's our responsibility to create our own identity. And so I'm going to figure out how I feel. I want to figure out who I associate with. I want to figure out what my identity is based on my preferences and the way I think about things, and that will establish my identity. And I'm going to bring my identity to God and tell him, God, this is who I am. Do something with this. And God says, I'll tell you who you are, and then I'll do something with that. And that's what happens in Exodus 3, 10 through 12. He says this, so now go. God is talking to Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, look at these three words. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And man, I think that's exactly where so many of us live. That God is looking at our lives and he's saying, I want to do something with your life. I want to do something to your life. I want to do something through your life. I want want to do amazing things. You have a calling. There's an anointing. There's something I want to do with your life. And you're standing back going, who am I? I've dealt with this struggle. I had this baby before I was married. I went through this divorce. I had this issue in my life. I've got this addiction. I've got, and what do we do? We start creating all of these categories to put our lives in as understandings. And we start to think that what we've been through is who we are but what you've been through is not who you are it's just a testament of where you've been and moses is going who am i and i love what god says he says this he says go to pharaoh bring the israelites out of egypt and he says this i will be with you and listen when god is Changing our thoughts. When God is leading us to do something, the most important thing isn't whether or not you believe you're the right person. It's whether or not God goes with you to do it. And in our lives, God is speaking the same thing to us that he speaks to Moses. Listen, when he calls you to do something, you don't have to know all of how he's going to do it. You just have to know that he's with you when you do it. And he says, I will go with you. And the first, the first filter I want you to put, because again, we're talking about filtering our thoughts here. The first filter that I want you to think about in your life is this one question. Is it true when you're doubting yourself when you're telling God this can't happen when this this is impossible I'm just uh fill in the blank I'm just I'm just this I'm just that I'm just someone that's going through this I'm just and you start doubting matter of fact you start building your identity around the things that you've gone through and the struggles that you've been through when you start to do that you need to take a step back and say from God's perspective is this true because if it's not true listen to me you need to throw it out the window so you're assessing going, is this true? Is this true about me? Is this what, and here's the greatest question. Listen, is this what God says? Because I don't know about you, I'm really good at looking in the mirror telling me what I think, and I got to get a lot better about telling myself what God says. That's why Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 is so powerful. It says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. In other words, he brought us into his family through Jesus Christ. And here's the reason that I think this is important. And I think this is what a lot of us struggle with. And it's because we've made our struggles and our failures, say failures. We've made our struggles and our failures our identity. We've made what we've gone through and what we've failed at our identity, and we've allowed those things to dictate the soundtrack of our lives. We've allowed all of our issues, all of our failures to be how we think God sees us. Let me tell you, that's not how God sees you. And so the reality is this. We have to understand that it's God's responsibility to establish our identity. But the second thing you need to understand is who God is is more important than what you're not. Who God is is more important than what you're not. Because I'm so good at telling God what I'm not. Man, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not a. And and, and here's how it shows up. Because God will call you to do something. But hear me, God will always call you to do something that it requires more of him than it does of you. And so here, here's my favorite. God would say, I want you to go do this. And you're like, ah, that's not my personality. I don't think that's what he asked. Come on, right? You're like, ah, God, I'm an introvert. You know, I can't talk to people. God's like, is that what I asked? That's not what I asked. I told you to do something. I didn't ask for what your opinion was about what to do. You want to know why? Who God is is more important than what you're not. God, I'm not that type of person. Well, empowered by the spirit of God, you can be. Because it's not about what you need to be. It's about what God is and what God will lead you to say yes to. And so God wants to help you get there. And we see this show up again in Moses. Again, this whole conversation with Moses and God, Exodus 4, 10 through 12. So, so he talks to him and he says this, Moses pleaded, oh, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. Anybody else resonate with that? God's like, I want you to go talk to this. You're like, ah, I'm not a good speaker. I can't. I, don't, I can't put word. What? Right. That's what he says. He says, I'm not a good speaker. I never have been. And I'm not now, even after you have spoken to me for I have a speech impediment. Right. And so Moses is telling God, like, listen, I got these issues. I can't even talk. And God's like, you are talking pretty good right now. Right. And So, so God, him and God are having this conversation and he's saying, I, I've got this issue. And I don't know about you, but this is exactly where I think many of us fall into, because God asks us to do something. And all we talk about is what we don't have. We never recognize what God has given us. All we recognize is what we're not. We're not recognizing who God is. And so when God calls us to do something, the fact that he is with us is a testament that it's possible. It has nothing to do with whether or not it's our personality type, whether or not we have the resources, whether or not we have whatever it is that we think is necessary to be able to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. The reality is what God is asking of us is yes, he'll take care of the rest. So it's like, so Moses is saying, I got this speech impediment, right? I can't talk. And God responds to him like this, and I love this. He says, who makes mouths? (laughs) Come on. God is wild, y'all. This is crazy. (laughs) He said, who makes mouths? Jehovah asked him, isn't I the Lord? Who makes a man so that he can speak or not speak? See or not see, hear or not hear. Now go ahead and do as I tell you for, there's those two words again, I will help you to speak well, and I will tell you what to say. Because when God is, it doesn't matter what you're not. And I'm going to tell you today that God is calling and calling. He's looking for the yes from us, because if God will, it doesn't matter what we won't, it doesn't matter what we can't. And so it's, it's a matter of getting moving, which brings me to the, the, the next filter. I want you to think about filter number two, as you're processing these broken soundtracks, uh, is, is is it helpful? Is what you're telling yourself helpful to what God is asking you to do? I, I can't do that. I've got this speech issue. Is that helpful? Is it helpful that you're telling God your frailties, your failures, the things you can't do? Is it helpful that you're highlighting your insecurities? Is it helpful that you're bringing to the surface all your, your speech impediment or whatever that represents for your personal life? Like, is it helpful that you're highlighting all the reasons why you feel like you can't? Or do we need to look in the mirror and start telling ourselves why God said that we can which is why this is important that God's looking for availability, not capability. God, God's looking for your yes. So what is he doing? God's looking at you going, hey, when are you going to do this? When are you going to get moving? And you're like, ah, God, I don't know. Which is why the number the, the third one is really important. And that's that honesty lets you deal with the real problem. Honesty lets you deal with the real problem. Because here's the real problem. Are you ready? When God calls us to do something, I don't want to. Come on, be real. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Yeah, he's talking to me. I don't want to. And that's what Exodus four thirteen. back to the conversation with God and Moses. <laughs> Pardon your servant, Lord. Just send someone else. It's in the Bible. Go read it. I'm telling you, there's stuff in there. Y'all got to read this thing. He says, pardon your service, Lord, servant Lord. He's like, just send someone else. He's like, I don't want to. Anybody ever been there before? Like, you and God went back and forth. You're like, God, I don't have the resources. And he cuts, like, a, a check shows up in your mailbox. He's like, you do now. You're like, ah. You know, like, give that person $100. Like, I don't have $100. Someone gives you 200 and you're like, ah, now I got 200 <laughs> You know, like, but for real, God's like, yeah, hey, I want you to go, I want you to go serve at this deal. And you're like, ah, I got to work on Saturday. And your boss calls you, and you're like, you guys are off on Saturday. And you're like, ah. Right? Because eventually, you just got to get honest with yourselves. I would say we have to get honest with ourselves. Because there's certain moments where you're just going, God, all right, God, let's just be real. I don't want to. You think about Moses. He's got to go back to the place he was raised and face the people that he was raised with and the people that raised him. And tell them that God said to let all of their slaves go free. Like, this, is, this isn't a small ask. Not only that, leave the family you've built. He has a wife. He has kids now. Leave them. Go. This is a big ask. I know for some of us that might, not, that might not be the monumental thing God is asking of us, but whatever God is asking of us, it's always gonna require more of us than we have in us. And that's what, that's what he does. And I love God's response. It says this, it says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. So finally Moses got honest and God's like, all right, fine. He says, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. I love this. And he's already on his way to meet you. (laughs) That means God sent Aaron before he talked to Moses, which is important because God will create the provision before he creates the ask. You just got to be in the right spot to get it. And so he's like, he's already on his way to you and he will be glad to see you. This is what he says. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help. But notice he says, I'll help just Aaron. No, I'll help both of you speak well and I will tell you what to say. Because what God calls us to do is what God calls us to do. And he's not interested in all the reasons why we can't. But he also recognized that Moses was gonna need someone to go with him. So he's saying this, I see your insecurities. I see your failures. I see your frailties. I see all the things that you're not comfortable with doing. I'm bigger than those things. But just to make sure you understand, I'm gonna bring somebody alongside you. Which listen to me, listen to me. That's why small groups are so important. Because whatever God calls you to, you need somebody beside you that's gonna help walk with you to accomplish it. Right? I'll teach you what to say. And they go together and many of you know the story. If you don't, long story short, they, they end up seeing the Israelites freed. And there's a lot to that that we're not gonna unpack today, all right? Uh, but they go on, and they, God frees the Israelites and, and Moses leads them ultimately through the desert and, and they go to the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 31.8, he says this, uh, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you he will not fail you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. Because what God will do makes what you feel like you can't do irrelevant. God's gonna help us get there, which brings me to the third filter. I'm gonna to you quickly as we wrap up today. Is it kind? These are three filters that John Acuff gives in his book, Soundtracks. Is it, and the third one is, is it kind? Now it sounds like a very simple one, but here's the way I want you to think about it. How do you feel about you when you've told yourself all the things about yourself that disqualify you? So when you're processing these broken soundtracks, you're going, is this, is it true? Is this what God says? Is it helpful? Is it going to help me do what God's called me to do? And is it, is this kind to me? Is my response helping me? Is it, is it kind to me? Is it kind to the people that God's called me to to lead? Is it it kind to the the people that God's called me to serve, love, support, give to, whatever? And if, if the answer isn't yes to those things, you're probably dealing with a broken soundtrack that's trying to pull you away. And there's this quote that I think all of us can resonate with by Marianne Williamson, which I'm not I'm not necessarily a, a proponent for Marianne Williamson. I don't align with her on a lot of things. Uh, and so, but she has a quote and I think it's fantastic. It was accredited to Nelson Mandela for a long time, but she's actually the one that wrote that. And she's, I don't, again, I'm not not—I'm not saying she's great. If anything, she's a testament of how God can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And And she said this, she says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, our deepest fears is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What would it look like if we all lived like that? Where God wants to use your life to count for something. And one of the ways that he wants to do it, I'm inviting you to join us all with this, it is the October 1st with your Bring a Friend to Church Day. We want every per- I want every person here to bring one person to TC with them October 1st. Matter of fact, out in the lobby, we've got two different types of cards out there. We've got cards that say they belong here, and we've got cards that say you belong here. The you belong here cards are what we want you to give to whoever you're inviting. So, hey, you belong here. It says, sit with me at church this weekend. We want you to find them, give it to them. On the they belong here card, it's actually a step-by-step guide, six steps on how you can have the greatest impact in that person's life for that weekend, all right? It's easy. I'm gonna give them to you real quick. The first one is start by praying for them. We need God to move on their heart, amen? I'm gonna say that again. We need God to move on their heart, amen? Getting them to church is one thing. Getting God to touch them is quite another so we want to pray for them. Next, invite them. So if you haven't invited them yet, give them the card and invite them, right? Next, follow up with them. Two days before, hey, you still coming. Day before, hey, you still coming, right? But here's the sec the last three are the big ones. You ready? First of all, set a time to meet them. So set a time to meet outside, whatever. Walk in the door with them. Show them your church family. High five till your hands hurt. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just Everybody gets a high five that day, right? We'll probably have donuts or ice cream sandwiches or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Y'all know us. We're going to have something to, you know, anyways. Um, But number five, save them a seat. And then number six, and I think this is the biggest one. This is where I think if we're, I would say if we drop the ball sometimes as Christians, it's this one. Take them to eat. Because real relationships are made over tables, Greater impact is in circles, not rows, right? And so it's like, man, bring, bring, like, get them to church, but take them to eat afterwards. Have some conversations. As a matter of fact, in your notes, we started doing something we used to do a long time ago. We actually put reflective questions in your notes that even once you get to the restaurant, you can have conversations about the sermon and watch how God's gonna do something great in their life. So how do you start today? That's what, that's what I'm asking you to do. That's the big ask here. But you gotta filter your thoughts because even for some of you, when I challenge you to invite a friend, the first thing you taught to yourself was like, nah, I can't do that. Why not? And is what you're thinking true, helpful, kind? Because I guarantee you, probably not. There is someone in your life that God desires to make an impact on. I'm inviting you to make that impact in them. Right? So here's what we can do start filtering your thoughts so you can make it easier to hear what God is saying. Start filtering your thoughts. Because I don't know about you, the times that I have the hardest time hearing God, the times that I struggle saying, God, what do you want me to do? Are the times I've got way too much other noise going on in my head. So start filtering your thoughts, get the stuff out. So we can make it easier to hear what God is saying. My dad always used to challenge our church I want to challenge you. Challenge you to it. I said, keep a notepad by your bed, and before you lay your head down, you need to be able to put one name down of somebody you impacted today. To let the light of Jesus shine through you to touch them. And I think that's such a great thing. So I want you to think about this. Imagine what kind of impact we will have on the world around us when we're hearing God more clearly because we've filtered out the broken soundtracks. We can hear God clearly. Our impact could be so much higher. Let's do it together, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for every person that's here. And God, I thank you for how you're leading. I thank you for how, God, you're challenging us to question some of the things that we've even believed about ourselves. Some of the ways that we've been thinking, God, the broken soundtracks in our mind how we may be overthinking what you've called us to when all you're really looking for is a yes. So help us say yes to that. We thank you today and we love you in Jesus' name. If you're here today, you say, Brad, I I, I do wanna start filtering my thoughts, but to be honest with you, before I can do that, I I gotta admit, I don't think Jesus is the Lord of my life, but he, he needs to be. And the beauty of the gospel, friend, is that Even though all of us have sinned when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for that. And all it takes to be forgiven, to have a fresh start and new beginning, is to put your faith, your belief that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. Today, if you're ready to make that declaration, today, if you're ready to put your belief in him, I want to invite you to do that. And we're going to pray this prayer together that puts words to that belief that Jesus is now the Lord of our life. So let's pray this and the whole church will pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive you my sins. Forgive you my wrongs. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll worship you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that pray that today we celebrate with you thank you so much for listening today to make sure you never miss a message be sure to subscribe to our channel it would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review if you want to connect with us on instagram or facebook just search at transformation pensacola more information about our church or to contact us feel free to go to mytc.life mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially and we would love it if you would consider doing just that as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.